Welcome to History 21, the podcast, a production of the Anoka County Historical Society, sharing the stories and audio journeys from our county's past and present. For this week's episode, we are bringing back our most popular one ever, over three years and 70 episodes of our podcast. It's from season one, where we sit down with Jen to talk about ghost stories and the history of 403 Van Buren. It's ghost story season, and it felt too far back in the feed to scroll for it. So here it is. Enjoy this blast from the past. Uh, Some updates to the chit-chat. Our tours are now 19 years old, not 17. But everything else is pretty darn accurate, even two years later. Enjoy! Hey, Rebecca. Good morning, Sarah. What's been happening lately? I am ready for your practice of the boo again. Try it. Well, I know. It is just Mr. Ed. That's all I can hear. <laughs> it has nothing to do with ghosts. Casper, the friendly ghost. The friendliest ghost. Is that better? Better. Okay. We have we'll the friendly ghosts here in Anoka. We have... Uh, Two ghost tours under our belts already this year. It's so exciting to walk around with new friends and share ghost stories. Um, I don't know if people realize how long we've been giving ghost tours here at the County Historical Society. So we're pushing 17 now, aren't we? Yeah, we started at Riverfest in the middle of July in 2004. They did two tours and they sold out and we're like, I think we could bring these back in October. And (laughs) it's been every year since then. And it just keeps getting bigger and bigger. The content gets better. The presentation gets better. But I think the training that you've created is really interesting that from a back-end standpoint, watching you create this program where it's a choose your own adventure for the tour guides. And so they really get to personalize the stories that they're telling about the city. So it doesn't matter which tour you go on, it's going to be slightly different. Yeah, your tour guide takes you around and to different houses and stops and tells you the history and mystery of that stop. We're super lucky that we get to bring you one of those in podcast form today. When I first started, so almost seven years ago now, Jen was one of the first people that I met, actually, the homeowner that is on this episode. And she is the most friendly person I have ever bumped into and very accepting and welcoming. And to listen to her talk about her house with such fervor, such love, she has really taken these ghosts into her life. It was, it was a really great way to start out the ghost tour. It was a good crash course in what Anoka is and what I didn't realize it was when I took the job. Surprise! Mm-hmm. Well, today's episode, we have a board member here at the Historical Society and a ghost tour guide. Steve Florman is sitting down with Jen who was the homeowner at 403 Van Buren for about four years. Just talking about the tour and what she experienced living in that house. 
as part of the Anoka Halloween capital of the world. Should we sit down? I'm excited. Let's do this. Me too. Okay, let's dive in. I guess in terms of basic introductions, um, let us know a little bit about who you are, where you come from, how you ended up in Anoka, uh, how you ended up in that home. Well, I'm Jen Shoemaker, and I um, grew up in Chanhassen, so I am Minnesota born and raised. I met my husband, and we moved, blended our families together, moved four of our five kids in together. We rented a house, and we started looking for a house now that we knew how many bedrooms we needed and everything, and the house on Van Buren just happened to pop up and we had looked at a lot of old houses. And so we thought, well, all the pictures always look really good. We're going to see. So we went to the open house that they were having and we walked in and instantly we had to go upstairs because I couldn't contain myself because the house was so pretty. The floors were gorgeous. So we go upstairs, Scott gets me to calm down, act like I'm not interested in the house we proceeded to put an offer in on the house and they took it. We were going through FHA. So there was a lot of peeling paint and this and that, that had to be fixed before we could actually buy the house. So a few weeks before the closing of the house, we started painting because the owner lived in Georgia now and her dad was very old and it was really hard for him. He was trying to do all this work and we just said, we'll come help. They let us pick our colors and, and stuff. So, that's so the, house, of, the house had been vacant? Yes, the house had been okay. vacant for probably about six months or so. That's kind of where our story the house began. It kind of worked into the house showing itself to us in those three weeks before closing. <laughs> so what year was what year was that? How long ago was that? Um let's see it would have been um we were okay four years so it would have been eight years ago. Um so probably like 2013, 14, somewhere around there. We um loved the house and we are painting in the dining room. I had a paint tray in my hand and I needed to move the ladder. So I was just kind of kicking the ladder of my foot in front of one of the bedrooms there. And out of the corner of my eye, I saw my first glimpse of what the house was hiding. A little girl peeked around the corner, kind of tipped her head over and looked out at me and then peeked her head back into the room. And I was like, oh my gosh, what did I just see? And Scott looks at me and he goes, what? And I said, I'm not even telling you. I'm not telling you at all. And he goes, what? And I said, my husband did not believe in ghosts whatsoever. Like I have had several experiences. He has never had anything happen. Did not believe it. I said, oh my gosh, I can't even tell you. And he says, so I'll tell you what I saw. If you tell me what you saw. And I looked at him in shock. Um, and I said, what did you see? And he goes, well, I saw a little girl peek around the corner the other day when we were painting. And I go, oh my God, that's exactly what I just saw. And so that's where it started. 
did he, um, has he relaxed a little bit to the idea that there might be something yes, a little unusual a going on? Okay. Yes. So after that, um, I mean, we were still three weeks out from closing on the house. We started kind of wondering what was going on. We had little weird things happen while we were painting at the house and stuff. And we went to the closing. And we asked, the owner was not there still because she lives in Georgia. So we asked her realtor and her dad, who was sitting there, did Rosie have any weird, or not Rosie, Linda, um, have anything weird happen at the house at all? They looked at us and they go, why? <laughs> and I go, I mean, you could obviously tell they didn't want to say too much. Because it's all riding on if we're closing on the house or not. And I go, well, we've had some weird stuff happen there. And they're like, well, like what? And we said, well, do you know any of the history on the house at all? And the realtor opens her folder and she takes a piece of paper out and she slides it slowly across the desk to us. And we go, okay. So we read through it and she goes, this is what Linda found from the historic society on the house. And I go, Oh, okay. Well in the paper that she had gotten from the historic society, it said the family had moved here from um, Maine and they had two children. And a couple of years after they moved in, both kids had passed away from diphtheria and the little girl was eight and the little boy was two and a half. And we both looked at each other and we were like, oh my gosh, that explains so much. And they're like, what? And we said, well, we've been seeing a little girl. At that point, they knew, we kind of knew what was going on too. So we closed on the house and everything. And then more conversation happened after that. They were probably worried you were going to back out of the deal at that point. Absolutely. <laughs> Yes. One of the questions, I've been leading tours past your home, your former home now for, I don't know, five or six years. And since you left, one of the questions I almost always get when I lead a group past there is, are they legally required to disclose that the house is haunted when they sold it? Yep. They are not. <laughs> I thought that's an interesting question. Like, yeah. how do you write a law about something that nobody will legally admit even exists? <laughs> Right. Exactly. And that's, so that was one of our, when we went to go sell the house, that was a question of ours. Are we legally required to say that we've seen ghosts in the house? Um, and you're not the only time that you have to disclose something is if there was a violent death. Um, so if somebody just died in the house of natural causes, you don't need to disclose that. And how do you prove that there are ghosts there? I, you know, there's. <laughs> <laughs> Your guess is as good as mine. Um, and, and I think that that is also, you know, people ask all kinds of questions because your story is so detailed and the way in which you've related it to us and the way that we pass it on to tour goers tends to be so detailed. I mean, they have all kinds of questions. Could she see through the little girl? Was she transparent? Did she talk to them? Did she, you know, how old were your kids at the time? That kind of thing. So oh, any background like that that you can give us that would enhance that story for our listeners would be welcome. How old were your kids at the time? So when we moved in, we had four of our kids at home. 
Abby was probably seven or eight. And then they went up about every two years from there. So Megan was probably 16 at the time when we moved in. They did not know. We did not tell them what was going on. So you had asked earlier about my husband, if he had relaxed a lot. So the ghost decided that they really liked my husband a lot. (laughs) And he just happened to be working from home. So he was home all day long and he, every day I would come home and he would go, so today this, this, and this happened. And the next day I'd come home and he'd go, and today this, this, and this happened. So he would hear children laughing, running around. Um, he'd be on a call and he'd hear like footsteps running, take his headphones off, listen, like, was that in the conversation I was having in my headphones or what was that? And, um, he would have shadows as he was sitting on his meetings, walk by him, um, just all sorts of weird things. I think one of the biggest ones, he was upstairs and the TV downstairs just came on blaring loud out of like, out of nowhere, just came on super, super loud. He comes running down thinking one of the dogs had hit it, you know, the remote or something. And he comes down the dogs are all sleeping, not even close to the remote. And the TV is on full blast, which would not have been turned off at full blast to begin with. So why it would be at that volume, who knows? Um, one day he had his cell phone disappear. He couldn't find it. He was like, gosh, I wonder what I did with that. And he started looking around for it. And he heard a thump upstairs and he went up into the bedroom and we, the bedroom there is really big. It's like a 16 by 16 room. And his cell phone was on the floor in the middle of the room. No furniture closed. So it wasn't like it just fell off of the bed or something. So he was pretty freaked out about that. That was, um, but he always had weird things happening to him. Um, most, most of him, it was focused on him. <laughs> huh. Well, they didn't need to prove anything to you, I suppose. No, they did not. And as far as like the kids, so they didn't have a whole lot happen to them. Our oldest daughter, she would wake up in the morning and have um, a water bottle sitting in the middle of the floor, standing straight up when it was on her nightstand the night before when she went to bed. Um, She would hear footsteps running up and down the stairs, which went right on the one wall in her bedroom. Um, but she never, none of the kids saw anything at all. Um, and we, we kind of, until they started asking questions, like if they were starting to see stuff, we figured we were just going to leave it how it was. How do your kids feel about that? What, what are their opinions? So the way that we told them, (laughs) I'm sure Rebecca and Sarah found this very entertaining. 
we finally got to the point we tried telling our oldest daughter several times and she would freak out like every time that we'd be like so there's something we need to tell you and she would be like oh my god don't tell me the house is haunted she'd be all freaked out like no 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 so finally we're like we have to tell them somehow so we decided the easiest way was just to send them on on the ghost tour (laughs) somehow i saw that coming (laughs) (laughs) so we bought them a couple tickets and um, Megan and Tristan each had a friend, um, that they brought with and we just sent them on the ghost tour and Scott and I hid up in the bedroom upstairs and waited for everybody to come by, stand on the corner of the house, you know, right by the house there. (laughs) And we're up in the bedroom, eavesdropping, listening, and you can hear them say, okay, and now we're going to stop at 403 Van Buren. And Megan goes, Oh, that's my house. And the lady goes, yep, I know. And she goes, what? And then she starts talking and she's like, (laughs) she's like, oh, and there was a little girl that was spotted in the bedroom just off the dining room. And Megan goes, that's my room. And you can hear her. (laughs) Scott and I just sat in the house laughing hysterically. So they passed by go to the next house down the block and we get a text from her and it was not very nice <laughs> she, was, she was like I effing hate you <laughs> and now they have to go on the ghost tour that's still two hours long before they get home and can yell at us brilliant I'm glad I'm so glad it's the first stop yeah. um, I do remember I did lead one tour uh, and, and the water bottle story is always one that I share with my tour goers, but I led one tour, it must have been the year before you moved, and we parked, we came in front of your house, and we always gather on the boulevard there, and, and you came out, and I, I was like, well, I'm not going to tell the story if you're standing here, so I kind of let you take it away, and ever since then, I've, I'm, I've said, now, the woman who tells these stories is perfectly credible. I mean, you would, you would run into her anywhere in the world, and you would say to yourself, I'll bet she's from Minnesota. I mean, (laughs) blue jeans, running shoes, Viking sweatshirt, blonde, rosy cheeks. You could run into her in, you know, Turkey. And you'd be like, you're from Minnesota, aren't you? Yep. (laughs) And and she just tells these stories in this perfectly normal voice. Like, yeah, I saw this little girl stick her head around the corner of the bedroom. And people are looking at me like I'm crazy. I'm like, no, seriously. Well, you certainly seem like a natural to have at some point ended up in the Halloween capital of the world. It was just meant to be for us. We had a lot of people in Anoka to be able to share our stories with that didn't think that we were crazy because they were experiencing the same thing. So when you're, um, when you were a kid, were you always into Halloween? Were you? Um, I have always loved Halloween. Well, and that's what actually got my husband and I to connect was because we were both dating online and his profile said that he loved Halloween and dressing up. And I was like, Oh oh my gosh, I love Halloween and dressing up too. So I sent him a message and it had, we met on November 11th. And so Halloween had just happened. And I said, Oh, so what were you for Halloween? That's, that was my message that I sent to him. And all he said back was mad hatter no context around it literally mad hatter and I was like okay well 
he obviously doesn't want to talk. And about five minutes later, I got a message back saying, oh my gosh, I'm so sorry. I was busy and mad. And so we started talking about Halloween and turns out that just the week before at Halloween in Anoka, we had crossed paths. And I remember seeing him several times during the Halloween celebrations of him being the Mad Hatter. And when we started dating our friend who was there with me, she goes, oh my gosh, you're dating the Mad Hatter now. I talked to him while I was in the line at the bathroom. <laughs> so it's not a match made in heaven, at least a match <laughs> made in Halloween. <laughs> So we love Halloween. We dress up every year and we have a lot of fun with it. When you talk about the house, do you prefer the term haunted or I, I try not to use it as a tour guide, but I, you know, I think that experience differs from tour guide to tour guide. Um, well, what's your preference? I would say, I, I don't know. I think everybody that when I talk to them, they immediately just jumped to haunted and I guess I haven't really thought about it. I just always thought this was their house. And when you think about when they moved in, built that house, Minnesota was barely a state coming from Maine with their two little kids. And this was their house. And even after their kids passed away a couple of years later, they lived in the house until they died. And from like the obituary that I found of her, she was very sweet and super well-loved and the obituary when I found it made me cry um, because it was a huge write-up about her and how she had turned the house into a maternity hospital and that the children would come and they would visit her because I'm sure she gave birth to them. She, you know, or brought them into this world. And, and so it sounded like she was very well loved. And then she passed away right before the turn of the century. And then he passed away shortly after that and they never had more kids. So all of their, their belongings, I believe got auctioned off. There's, I know at the historic society, there's um, a list of everything that was in the house when he passed away and it getting auctioned off and stuff. So it makes me sad, but I always just looked at it as this was their house. This is my house now and we just need to share it. And I'm okay with that. Almost always everything happened during the day. We had just a couple experiences where it was at night and one of them scared the daylights out of me. Um, it was late and I was going, Scott had gone up to bed and I was heading up there and I went to go get a glass of water in the kitchen. And when I walked out to shut the lights off, I had to go to the left into the dining room. And as I shut the light switch off, I turned to the left and he was standing in the doorway. And my heart like immediately stopped. And if Scott hadn't been seeing him, I would have thought somebody was in the house. Like he was right there. And I looked back at the light switch and I was like, okay, we got to go that way. And I turned back and he was gone. And I came running up the stairs and I jumped into bed <laughs> and Scott was like, what's wrong? And I'm like, oh my gosh, I just saw the man. It was scared the daylights out of me. 
And so then I did the next morning, I kind of researched a little bit and it said, you know, if you're okay with them being there, you just need to set boundaries and tell them if you're going to scare me, you're going to have to go. And after that, I never had anything scare me again. It was always very, during the day, it was not scary at all. That was the only time that I ever like got startled, I would say. I definitely miss the old house. I love the character of the old house and the, um, just, I don't know. It's, it was such a pretty house and close to downtown and so much history and, um, our neighbors were wonderful. We loved our neighbor, all of us having old houses. We, we all had that passion for old houses and fixing things up and we would call each other and go, Hey, can you come over and take a look at this? What do you think? How do you think we should do this? Or look what we found behind the wall or, you know, it just, it was really fun um, to be able to share those experiences with other people that were going through a lot of the same stuff we were. Well, there are two ghost tour stops on that block alone, and we could probably have a couple more if we wanted yes. to stay around that street for a while. Yes. So how, how long were you on the tour? Um, we were on the tour for four years. We lived in the house for four years. I, I guess we were on the tour beforehand. Uh, we did not know that. And I remember we had just moved in and my dad and I were standing on the front steps looking at the screen door because it wouldn't close right and trying to figure out how we were going to fix the screen door. And all of a sudden we start hearing voices behind us and we turn around to like 25 people standing on the corner, staring at our house, staring at the house. And I'm like, um, I think we're on the ghost tour. And my dad goes, what? So, well, Anoka is the Halloween capital and they have a ghost tour. And so that's how we found out that we were on the ghost tour. So then I got in touch with um, you guys and I was like, we have stories to tell you. <laughs> and that's how it started. Well, I hope we do a little bit better a job of asking in advance now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we just, I mean, it was something that was a part of our lives and it was weird and odd and we- Jen, as a, as a member of the board of directors of the Historical Society and as a ghost tour guide for the last five years or so, uh, it's always been interesting to me to stop by your old house in Anoka. It's the first stop on the tour. It's always been one with good stories. I can see now where we got those stories, and it's so much fun to hear you recount them. We just want to thank you for coming and being part of our podcast today. Um, I'm sure people are going to enjoy hearing them I look forward to leading people on the tour who say, oh, I heard that on the podcast. And um, I look forward to referring people back to it for for folks who want more details. So we just want to thank you for coming and being with us us today. Oh, my God. Thank you so much for having me. It was super fun. And just reliving all those memories as we lived in the house. I would do it all over again. It was amazing. Well, good. I'm sure that since they've been there for 160 years, if you ever come back, they'll be waiting for you. I'm sure they will be. (laughs) Read all about it in the Noka County Library Minute. Hello, this is Lydia Potoff, an adult services librarian at the Anoka County Library Northtown branch. And this is your Library Minute. 
If you enjoyed today's tales of ghost tours and haunted houses, our first highlighted work is The Haunting of the Anoka Masonic Lodge by June Gosler Anderson. Anderson was a guide on the ghost tour in 2007. She was contacted by the Anoka Masonic Lodge to document the paranormal activities in their building and put the puzzle pieces together in this book. If you enjoyed the ghost tour and want to set out on your own ghost tour, we have the Twin Cities Haunted Handbook, 100 Ghostly Places You Can Visit in and Around Minneapolis and St. Paul by Jeff Morris, Garrett Merck, and Dane Charbonneau. It's an excellent guidebook. Each entry includes a brief history of the location and the ghost story that merited its inclusion in the book. There are several Anoka County locations, as well as noted landmarks like the Mall of America and the Minnesota State Capitol. But the majority of this book list is going to focus on ghost stories. It wouldn't be complete without it. For the adults, we have a classic, The Haunting of Hill House by Shirley Jackson. It's a classic of the horror genre that tells the story of an academic and three of his guests who move into a haunted house for the summer to record, for research purposes, any paranormal happenings. They begin to experience unusual events that become terrifying, and one of the four of them appears to be possessed. No less an expert than Stephen King calls The Haunting of Hill House one of the greatest horror novels ever written. For the kids, we have Wait Till Helen Comes by Mary Dollinghan. Molly and Michael dislike their spooky new stepsister, Heather. The newly formed family moves into an old church that was converted into a private house. As their new home was a church, the property adjoins a cemetery haunted by the ghost of Helen, a girl who drowned over a hundred years ago. Helen eventually possesses Heather and Molly and Michael must come to her rescue. For the younger kids, we have How to Build a Haunted House by Frank Tupta. This delightful picture book for preschool-aged children and early readers tells the story of a community of ghosts, mummies, and assorted other monsters who must build a haunted house for a vampire family in need before the sun rises in the morning. It's full of hilarious illustrations and funny rhymes. Your child will want to read it over and over. This is just a sampling of the literally thousands of ghost stories we have in the collection. If none of these appeal to you, ask a librarian and we can find something you're looking for. I wish you happily frightening reading. Thank you. Get those library cards and reserve your copy today. Direct links to these books and more can be found in the episode show notes at anocacountyhistory.org. I have a little bit of a confession, Rebecca. Uh oh. I was the one that Jen called that day where she was like, Am I on a ghost tour? Bad staff member. Bad <laughs> staff member. They had just moved in. I didn't realize the house was on for sale. And uh, when she called, I crossed my fingers so hard. I was like, Yes, yes, you're on a tour. And I was so <laughs> relieved when she was like, Oh, let me tell you these stories. For clarification, I do connect with everybody that is a stop on the tour. I send them notes every year before we start the season, just making sure that they're cool being on the tour. She just happened to slip through the cracks that, that one year. <laughs> so lesson learned, people. If you're moving, please tell us. <laughs> I do keep track. Well, and there's other things you want to do to expand the tour, aren't there? 403 Van Buren wasn't on the first run of the tour. 
it was added in later because somebody had a story. And so if you know of other houses in the area, walkable from the historical society, we'd love to hear them. How amazing would it be to have a second loop of the tour or just a new house altogether? We're open to new ideas, new friends, new ghosts. There are ghost tours every weekend between now and Halloween. Make sure to go grab your ticket. Well, and good news is that if you don't want to be around people or you're out of state or you have accessibility questions in your life, we have the digital tour and we also have a Zoom tour where you would be with a live ghost tour docent in the the tour as well. So we have some other options out there. Not everybody is going to be close by or in a place where they can wander about a mile and hear ghost stories. You can get great Aunt Mabel out in California, along with (laughs) Uncle Ernest in New York, and you guys can do a watch party. It would be amazing. We couldn't fit all of the stories that Jen told us in this episode. So we actually have the full episode where she tells even more stories about her ghostly experiences in her young life and in the house on the vault on our website. So check that out. Thanks for taking the time, Sarah. Thanks, Rebecca. And we'll check you next time with more Halloween flavored podcasts because we are the Anoka County Historical Society located in Anoka, the Halloween capital of the world. Wouldn't that be pumpkin spice flavored? Later, everybody. If you have a question, want to visit our show notes page for each episode, or would like to share your own story, go to anokacountyhistory.org. Help History 21, the podcast, reach more ears by subscribing and reviewing on your podcast provider. We're all over social media, Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram for all those who scroll by. And for our Vault members, you can find special access to podcast extras, as well as the latest digital resources at History 21, the Vault, located on our website. Remember, the present is the past of the future.